LSU Tigers. LSU wins the BCS. One team, one heartbeat. The New Orleans Hornets select Anthony Davis. And I tell you, Mardi Gras about to break out. Talk about my thing. To the 20. Geis. Touchdown. Who that? This is the Chris Gordy Show. What up? Good morning, New Orleans. Welcome into the Chris Gordy Show. Sports 1280 New Orleans. On this Thursday... July 27th, 2017. Got a loaded show for you today. Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis, they spoke with the media yesterday as the Saints begin uh, the start of training camp today. Uh, Saints making an interesting cut yesterday. We'll tell you who they released. We have some cuts. You'll hear from uh, Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis with some of their thoughts from from, um, speaking with the media yesterday evening. Ed Ogeron, he spoke yesterday at the Rotary Club in Baton Rouge. Some interesting things he had to say. We're going to catch up with uh, Nick Suss, covers LSU for SEC County in the uh, 9 o'clock hour. Speaking of the Saints, uh, a bunch of the players will be speaking this morning. Drew Brees, Mark Ingram, Cam Jordan, a number of those guys are going to be talking. So we're going to head out to Saints camp and catch up with Chris Hagan from Fox 8. Get an update on uh, what the Saints are up to as they head into uh, uh, the open camp on this Saturday. Uh, I hope you got your tickets out there at the NewOrleansSaints.com to be able to go out there and watch the uh, the open practice on Saturday. Also, later this hour, Lars Lars Anderson. You may recognize that name. He's been around the SEC for a while writing, writing books. Um, I think he was even on ESPN at one point. He's been on the Paul Feinbaum show a lot. He's now writing with... Uh, Bleacher Report, but he has a new book out that he co-wrote with um, Bruce Arians, the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, called The Quarterback Whisperer. So we're going to talk with him about that a little bit later in the show. And of course, your phone calls are always welcome at 504-260-1280. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Gordy. He is producer Michael. You can follow him at MC790 on Twitter. And speaking of Michael, let's introduce him to the show properly. New Orleans! It's football time! And Despacito time. I swear, there's just nothing that gets me in a better mood every single day than this and knowing that the Saints are right around the corner. Yep. So, uh, some interesting stuff yesterday from uh, Sean Payton. I mean, God, he talked for about, I'm going to say about 45 minutes. He filibustered that thing? No, I mean, he was pretty open with some of the stuff he talked about. So So he didn't save in it? Mickey Loomis talked about it, talked for about fifteen minutes, and, and Mickey Mickey's just kind of known to he sidesteps a lot of questions. He doesn't like to uh, like a like any good GM yeah. who makes questionable moves does. I, I should have pulled some of the cuts, but I mean, a, a lot of the questions it was I'm I'm going to defer on that. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off on that. I, I don't feel comfortable answering that right now. It was a lot of stuff. I mean, look, they they asked him a lot of stuff about Drew Brees' contract. Well, Mickey, why have you stunk so bad at drafting? Well. We're kind of past that right now. Right now, it's it's about contracts. It's about you know Drew Brees can you know if he wants he can can hit the market next year. You know guys like Willie Sneed looking to be paid. I mean there's there's some issues out there, but you know look the the start of camp is time to be optimistic. It's time to answer those questions. Look, you you know this team has holes. You know they have issues. Um, You know they're they've got offensive line injuries and stuff like that. But this is the time for guys to step up and and make their impact known. So uh, it, it will be interesting to see. But the, the the topic that was yesterday was Danelle Ellerby, the linebacker being 
basically, he put on the IR and then making it known that he's going to be cut even when he does come back from the foot injury. Sean Payton talked a little bit about the meeting and decision on, on Donnell Ellery. You know, we met yesterday, and when he's played, he's he's been very productive. Um, ultimately, it came down to the availability uh, in, you know, trying to stay healthy. And, and look, he's uh, rehabbing and working hard to get back and, and get 100%, but ultimately it came down to a decision where, you know, we were younger at some positions, and, and quite honestly, um, there were just far too many games where he wasn't available. Yeah, so ultimately, yeah, dude, you didn't play. We need you to be out there a little bit more. So you're telling me that being on the field is important. It is. It's, it's mm. very important in this league. If you do not play, mm. you have no value. So mm. uh, Saints practicing today, uh, starting at 8.50. Again, we're going to talk with uh, Chris Hagan here in just a couple minutes. And uh, they'll be practicing 8.50 to 11.40 today and tomorrow. Both those practices are closed. So you know what there's going to be a lot of? Sweat. There will be. It is hot and humid. They'll also be grinding. (laughs) Uh, So do not go out to practice today or tomorrow. It's closed, but then Saturday is open to the public. Again, you got to have that ticket. Hopefully, you got yours at NewOrleansSaints.com. I did receive word there are no more tickets left for Saturday. Don't go buying them. But there are more available for the future practices. So, you know. Have we checked the websites recently that you can buy secondary tickets on? Yeah, I think Ticketmaster or StubHub or one of them has. I, I was looking up Saints tickets for the season. I'm talking about training. Saw, I'm trying no, to find no, I, I, and I saw on there it said Saints training camp tickets. Oh my! God. I didn't look at the prices, but they're free tickets and people sell them. You should feel wrong if you're a human being for doing such thing. From what I understand, though, I mean, part of the reason that they do that is, or, or that they're, they've adjusted to this is one crowd control. You can kind of keep right. the number of people that are coming in, but also. Let's say it's going to rain and, and practice is canceled. They can now they now have all those people's email addresses or f- text message or whatever and send a message and say, hey, or just show don't come up. today, yeah, don't practice is canceled. We're, yeah, we're in the indoor facility. Don't show up. We can't fit all of you people in here. Right. That'd be pretty good, though. Fill up half the field with people and then the other half play football <laughs> on it. It is pretty interesting. Uh, talking with uh, a couple of uh, ex-players yesterday and them just kind of talking about how ridiculous it is training camp now compared to when they played. I mean, one of these guys played just 10 years ago. Another one played about 20 years ago. But they were both saying, I mean, God, I'd give anything to come back in the league. One of the guys said, I could probably play two or three more years oh. because of the way that they practice and, and they coddle them across the NFL now in, in the offseason. I can remember going to the first training camp, the first training camp I ever went to, and they were in pads. And that was 2010? And they were hitting. Yep. And they were hitting. They were. And now you go out there and you two watch. Days, and it's just two a days was a real thing. Like, yes, it would be a full anymore. morning session. Like, you go take seven a break. Years you, ago, seven years ago, that was real. Yeah. I would go in the morning to training camp, and then I would come back in the afternoon to watch them. Yeah, you go to you go to lunch, yep. you, you relax a little, and then you're back out there in the heat of the afternoon. I mean, it was absolutely brutal. So um, it does not exist anymore. Yeah, and look, maybe it's for the better. Maybe it's because guys are staying more healthy now. I don't know what, what the numbers say. They're a bunch of big wusses. Well. There was probably that too. Guys, guys are making a lot more money now. You got to fight for your, for your uh, whatever you want in your collective bargaining agreement. So props to the players. Yeah. Uh, one other cut from Sean Payton. He talked about this defense is going to be better. The, the only area that you know was a step back would would have been just initially with Nick Fairley. Um, but that being said, we feel pretty good with with some of the draft picks 
some of the free agents. Uh, I mentioned the secondary. Um, you know, some of these young guys are going to play, and I, th- I know we're deeper at linebacker. Um, but I, I, you know, when you when you just look from from last year to this year, and you know, we're going to we're going to be better on defense now. In what areas and how much better is going to be important, and, and then what we do offensively to help our defense will be equally as important. Yeah, th- there was there was talk of Nick Fairley yesterday, and uh, you know, the media had some questions about. Nick Fairley is, you know, are they going to get some of his money back or whatever? And Mickey Loomis was kind of like, look, that's, we're not worried about that right now. We're worried about Nick and his health. I mean, we're talking about a human being as a heart condition that could cost him his life. Like, let's worry about that first before we start talking about the nickels and dimes. No, it's piece. all about that salary cap, bro. You've screwed it up enough. We need to know enough about it. We need <laughs> to know more. Like, are you going to get your cash back? You need those vouchers. They did say, uh, what was the quote? Never say never on a possible Nick Fairley return. He was placed on the non-football injury list by the Saints at the end of June. Well, there, there was a good while there that he thought he was going to play. Yeah. I would well, assume as of he's right going. now, I mean, the thought is he's going to miss this season. But, you know, you're, dying, you're diagnosed with an enlarged heart. It doesn't seem like something that's yeah, just going to get better I, with time. I wouldn't mess with that. Unfortunately, I was in my life, I've been a part of a somebody falling over and dying in a in a game from an enlarged heart. One doctor in Boston recommended that he retire. Another one said, uh, believed that he could still play. Yeah, retire. Seriously. The last thing you want is for people to watch you fall over on the on the field and die. Sean Payton's quote was, I, I would never sit at this table and use that word never. As we sit here today, we're prepared, we've prepared ourselves for him not playing this season. The good side to that, fortunately, this was discovered not the hard way. So... Again, I I think Nick Fairley's he should gonna, be done. If he's smart, he should be done. Yes. So I tell you, there's nothing there's nothing worse than that than watching that happen on the field. Yeah. This is Chris Gordy on Sports 1280 New Orleans. Welcome back to the Chris Gordy Show here on Sports 1280 New Orleans. Jeremy on the other side of the glass having some issues getting uh, our buddy Chris Hagen on. Chris Chris has is from uh, Slidell originally and has a nine eight five number. And here in in 2017, we still have issues with the the area codes and <laughs> when you dial one and when you don't. And uh, the phone company has made it they've made it difficult on us. We're used to the cell phones where we don't even dial numbers anymore. We just tell Siri to call people, call this guy, and she does it. We never have to dial the phone number. Um, Except when we go to hard lines, like at a radio station, and we have to figure the the whole area code thing out. So we're going to get uh, Chris Hagen here in, in just a second. He is uh, he was at the facility last night as Mickey Loomis and uh, Sean Payton both spoke with the media, and I, I'm sure you guys heard this yesterday. I know Duncan Holder hit on it a little bit. Uh, the Saints made a big announcement yesterday. Saints and Pelicans actually they have announced a new name for their training facilities with partner Oshner Health System. So now the uh, officially known term is the Oshner Sports Performance Center. Uh, and that is the name for the Saints and Pelicans facility. So uh, good that they can finally uh, put a name on it and uh, good for the Saints and Pelicans to maximize that revenue and, and bring in them dollars. And Speaking of bringing in them dollars, the guy who does it every day is our buddy Chris Hagen from Fox Hey, Chris, what's going on, man? What's up, man? I think uh, dollars are relative, but it's all good here. 
Chris Hagen stacking the, that paper every night. Um, Chris, you were over at the uh, Saints facility yesterday. Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton both kind of speaking for the first time since uh, the, the Saints will report to camp and uh, hit the practice field for the first time this morning. Uh, what was the biggest storyline you took out of uh, what they had to say? Well, I think the biggest storyline is how they're going to address uh, some of the injuries. Um, you know, they were pretty mum unfairly, and, and you know, obviously his loss for the season on the defensive line is going to be big. But um, you know, pretty mum on you know their thoughts on his future career, and it was a lot of never say never with him, even though it's going to be tough. But as far as the, the guys they do have on roster and they're trying to get healthy, uh, you know, they're going to have to play some games and they're going to have to win some games without Teron Armstead if they want to finish above 7-9 and nine where they've been the last three seasons. And then uh, Max Unger um, at center, and Sean Payton remains hopeful that, you know, A, they can get him back by preseason week three, but obviously the ultimate goal is to get him back for the start of the regular season. And that's most important. And the good thing for them in that regard is that a guy like Max Unger, uh, you don't really have to worry about what he's missing mentally. Um, he knows this offense and, and what they expect and, um, how to work with Drew Brees. So as long as he's healthy and they don't rush him back and when they get him back, he's healthy and good to go, I think they're good there. But certainly um, the theme right now is how they're going to cope on that offensive line and then how they're going to take steps forward in the defensive secondary. Yeah, so so help me out on this timeline real quick because it, when when it first happened, it was Max Unger's out for the whole the whole off season, and, and you know he may be start for the, ready for the start of the season, but he may not be. And then the report on Teron Armstead was he's done, he's out for the rest of the year. So yesterday, from what Peyton was kind of saying, I know they were kind of alluding maybe that week three of the preseason could be a target date for Unger. And then I know Sean Payton even said on Teron Armstead he'll play this year, so he thinks. Armstead may be back at some point at the end of the season. Uh, give us a, a more – can you kind of clarify more on the timeline on both those guys? Well, the peculiar part of Max Unger was that I think when the report first came out, it was, you know, that he's going to miss some games and it could be into the regular season. And then I think it was the next day that uh, it was – that the team says or Peyton says um, it could be – he could be back for the start of the regular season and that timeline was significantly shortened. And uh, with Teron Armstead, I know when it was diagnosed, it was, I believe, four to six months on the torn labrum. Uh, but Peyton sounded very confident that Teron Armstead could come back and play. But again, uh, with a guy like him, he did it last year where a couple times in those first couple of games, really most of the season when he did play, he was playing hurt or fighting through an injury or listed on the injury report all week long up until the game. And um, you can tell it was frustrating for him at times to have to come out of a couple of uh, come out of a couple of games and have to miss time. So with Armstead, you want to make sure that he's back because this is and, and good to go because this is a guy that this team's invested in. They gave him an extension last year, and he's a pivotal left tackle. He can be a great left tackle in the league, one of the best in the league. And so um, if you get him back healthy, he does a lot more for you than if he's rushed back or playing hurt. Let's talk about this secondary. I'm excited to see Marshawn Lattimore out there. Um, uh, obviously, he's expected to step in and be a starting cornerback. If Delvin Bro is healthy, I think both those guys can be your one and two. But some talented guys behind them, Damian Swan and uh, Sterling Moore, and, and you know, and then the safeties with Kenny Vaccaro, Von Bell. You got Raphael Bush back. You, you drafted Marcus Williams. Some good talent back there, but I'm actually just seeing this report from Nick Underhill just tweeting out, breaking news, Damian Swan will start on the pup list. 
according to a source. So it, you're excited about a lot of these names and, and guys back there, but again, injuries, injuries, injuries just seem to plague these guys. Yeah, you know, there's a lot to be excited about, certainly, because the potential is there, like you mentioned. But, um, you know, with the injuries, the biggest thing that the injuries have done to this team in the past couple of years is eliminate what they can find out. So you had Delvin Bro in 2015 who had a breakout year. Um, then all of a sudden last year he gets hurt in week one. He has to miss a couple games. And I don't think he ever really played 100% after that. So you're wondering you know, what Delvin Bro is really going to be. Is it going to be the guy of 2015? Is it going to be, um, you know, the, the Delvin Bro that kind of struggled in 2016? Is it going to be a, a kind of middle ground of the two? Um, you don't know really what you have there, and it's a big year for him, a contract year. And then same thing with P.J. Williams. He misses his first year. Um, last year suffers a pretty serious concussion uh, against the Giants in Week 2. And so, again, you, you still have to figure out it's his third year in the league, and they still don't know exactly what they have in P.J. Williams. Um, Damian Swan on the pup list, I can't say is a huge surprise just because of the amount of concussions he suffered and the time he's missed. Um, you know, that's a guy who, look, beyond football, has to be, certainly be careful how he approaches this game and his health going forward, period, um, because of, obviously, more and more research that's in, uh, uncovered every day about you know brain damage and whatnot. Um but then you've got guys like Sterling Moore who came in and made an impact last year, um, coming in as kind of a free agent late there. And so he brings some experience, and, and there's some familiar names. Uh, obviously, it helps to have a guy like Kenny Vaccaro back. How long he'll be back, uh, we're not sure. He's also in a contract year. And then, um, you know, a guy like a local guy out of Bonneville, Arthur Millette, uh, playing corner, um, can also, he also stands a good shot to make this team. So there's depth there, and there's a chance for a lot of guys to make an impact, but it's just about putting it together. And uh, One of the things Sean Payton talked about was why do they start slow? Why have they started slow these last couple of years? And he said, you know, a big factor has been how young they are. Well, once again, this team is moderately young. There's a couple guys with a year or a year or two of experience, but, um, you know, again, they're going to have to overcome youth, and they're going to have to do it in a hurry because that – opening game in Minnesota is going to be no joke. Talking with Chris Hagan of uh, Fox 8. Uh, Chris, it was just a little over a decade ago. You and I were in at school at LSU watching Saints games together, watching Drew Brees and, and Sean Payton, and here we are over a decade later, and I see the report yesterday. Drew Brees comes in, uh, what, ranked top two in uh, his physical test. Uh, Sean Payton saying he's in great shape, his training routine. Is is it crazy Drew Brees entering his seventh, 17th season that he's still in top physical shape? I mean, it, it's, it sounds crazy, but at the same time, if you, if you watch the guy train, if you watch how he takes care of himself um, and, and how he prepares mentally and physically and how serious he takes that, um, it's no surprise. I mean, I don't think it's just quarterback speak or player speak when he says um, it's about you know, how you prepare, and, and, and he knows, you know, when you get to this age and you're at age 38, it's it's about how you recover and you have to, you know, pay more mind to how quickly and how you can recover, and then there's all kinds of new training techniques and recovery techniques that these guys pay attention to. So um, Drew knows that, you know, he, he has the ability to do it and can continue to play at a high level, and I think it's also the hunger. I mean, this guy's he's going to want to win uh, another ring for sure, and I think he recognizes that as long as he's healthy and able to go, this team has a shot to win. So um, that's going to be his M.O. 
Is it nicer to sleep in your own bed and not have to go up to West Virginia for a couple weeks? Yeah, certainly. Uh, <laughs> it's easier on everybody's work schedule when you can roll out of your own bed and, and get to training camp and uh, not have to worry about packing and what you forgot and how you're going to eat and what you're going to do on the road. Uh, a little bit more comfortable for everybody media-wise, so hopefully it has that same effect on the Saints and they can kind of overcome some of the issues they've had the last couple of years. Well, two weeks from tonight, the Saints will be uh, they'll be in action playing the Browns in their first preseason game. So that'll uh, be here before you know it. He is Chris Hagan from Fox A. Chris, thanks for the time, man. I know we'll be uh, catching up with you a couple times here over the next few weeks. Always glad to come on, man. Thank you. All right, appreciate it. Chris Hagan from uh, Fox 8 right there. The uncensored talk about your teams. Sports 1280, New Orleans. Chris Gordy Show rolls on. Here on this Thursday, July 27, 2017. Appreciate Chris Hagan for jumping on with us. If I didn't allude to it there, he and I were uh, we were at LSU at the same time together. We were all hung out with the same group of people, and uh, it was funny. I mean, I could think back to you know that 2006 season with the Saints and the, the fun year that they had watching games. And I mean, God, I mean, it's hard to believe it was 11 years ago, and here they are, and Drew Brees and, the, and Sean Payton and the offense still on a roll. And Drew Brees entering his 17th season in the NFL. Gosh, it's time fly by. Uh, imagine the Saints being back home, too. It's kind of fun to have them here. Of course, they've been to the Greenbrier the past uh, number of years. Sean Payton talking with the media yesterday. He talked about the benefit of being back home for camp. Well, we'll figure we'll figure that out here in a second. It's not a big change because because we train here in the off season, um, and we've had training camp here before. We're, we're all creatures of habit, you know. Very quickly in the next, really the next three days, we'll be into a routine that, you know, you forget a little bit about, you know, your commute then to and from a hotel, your meal schedule, um, your practice times. Uh, so, look, the the good news is you're not loading up a trunk you know, and forgetting something or, or worried about packing. Um, I think more importantly than anything else is just getting your times down. Like what time are you setting your, your clock in the morning to get up? What time are you, you know, that's kind of where we're at with the first day. We had the conditioning test um, today for the veteran players. And uh, tomorrow will be much like you guys have seen in the OTAs, that kind of, um, I would say that kind of, uh, type of practice with uh, helmets for the next two days, and then we'll start up in pads on uh, Saturday. So they'll be in pads on Saturday. I think it's interesting, though, 79, 79, 79. Maybe this Greenbrier thing isn't working out. Let's try something different. Let's go back to to Metairie, and let's go practice at home. And maybe Maybe that helps things out here because, look, it's just been... It's been disappointing. And look, the defense has been a big part of it the past three years. We know the offense has been, uh, you know, hasn't missed a beat. We've talked about the different pieces that that have come and gone on the offense. Trading away Jimmy Graham, letting Darren Sproles go. You know, in comes Michael Thomas. In comes Willie Sneed, Brandon Coleman. I mean, different guys step up in this offense. Now you have Adrian Peterson. It'll be fun to see what, what he can do with this offense. But pieces come and go, pieces come and go. But the constant has been the seven and nine, the seven and nine, the seven and nine. I mean, 
At what point are things going to change? So I don't know. I mean, it's funny. People talked about there maybe being a voodoo, a hex over at the Greenbrier. I'm all for changing things up and and getting getting the Saints back home in Metairie and let them practice there, sweat it out. Maybe maybe they had it too good up at the Greenbrier. We're getting the voodoo dolls out now? Yep. That's what uh, that's what some people think. You ever they, use a voodoo doll? No, I have not. They work. Do they? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, my mother's been doing it to me my whole life. Maybe we should get one with uh, Matt. <laughs> maybe we should get one with Matt Ryan. Uh, that's no. He'll just choke in the in the clutch. That's all you need there. He's reigning MVP though. He was great last year. It's going to be tough to get past that team with their offensive weapons. But you know what? The Super Bowl hangover sometimes is real now, people people like to say that's a hot topic you know hot take type of thing but go look it happens in every sport championship hangovers happen in several categories their defense ranked in the bottom 10 of the league last year the falcons yeah, they weren't very good but they have a defensive they coach were, and they're not very good defensively they were good enough to get to the super bowl though matt so. ryan took it next level now i mean we'll see how he adapts without kyle shanahan that, as the offensive coordinator and the, it's interesting too across the league how many successful teams now have a two-headed running attack. I mean, it gone. It feels like gone are the days of the featured running back, the one, the the bell cow, the workhorse who's going to get you twenty-five to thirty carries. A lot of the teams are, are splitting things up, and the Falcons have done that uh, now with uh, Foreman and um, oh god, brain fart Coleman. Yeah, Devin Coleman. So uh, I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting to see um, how their offense continues to click this year with the Falcons, especially with the recovering alcoholic coming in to call plays. Oh. Is that fair? Steve Sarkeesian? Yeah. That move still beyond odd. odd. That he picked up after getting the OC job at Alabama. The greatest for the college job in, in, in the country. And I understand As much NFL. as that stings for me to say that. He probably wants to be in the NFL so he can drink a little bit and not get in as much trouble. <laughs> Um, you know, because he can just—he doesn't have to be out recruiting and whatnot. And it's yeah, I would—I th- would think the grind is probably—I don't know. I mean, the, the, oh, N- the grind's going to be worse. The, NF- the NFL coaches, there's, uh, a, there's an actual—they never go home. Yeah, but there's an actual off season, right? Yeah, for at least a little college while. football. You're it never you're, stops. Yeah, you're on the road recruiting. You're calling this guy. You're doing. But this. now he could go do that and then eventually find himself back with head coaching gig at some point. You'd think very well could, but it's still odd. I want to see how but, his but offense, like, unless is it his offense. Hope or the Falcons fans better hope that he is simply you know going out there and keeping as much of the Shanahan offense as possible. Yeah, I mean the money had to be comparable, right? I mean it's 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 not. I would a, assume it's probably it's a not a more. money move, right? I would think it's maybe a little bit more, wouldn't it? I don't know. I would think in, in terms of assistant jobs in the country, being an OC or a DC for Nick Saban's got to be got to be up there in in terms of jobs that you would want. I would think so. Now, look, you don't want to keep that job for a long time because he's a pain in the ass to deal with. Nick Saban is absolutely, I mean, all of his assistants who've, who've left. Look, I love my time with Nick. It was We achieved a lot there. We had great success. But by God, does he run you into the ground? That's what everybody has said every time they've left his staff. He can't keep assistants more than a couple of years. That's why it was crazy how long Kirby Smart stayed with him. Maybe he was just, you know, upset that. Lane Kiffin have been so poorly treated by Nick Saban over all the years that you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna go in here and ruin your ruin your title game and then on top of it I'm gonna leave take the job. It's only a matter of time before Kiffin Kiffin starts singing about how terrible it was working for Nick. He's still kind of being that 
kind of kind, oh, no, I love my time with Coach Saban and things like that. He's going to have to write a tell-all book one day about how what really went down there behind the scenes. Yeah. It's to gonna... fire the guy before the national championship game? I mean, come on. I mean, it was... The whole thing was bizarre, and and still to me, again, the Sarkeesian with the Falcons is bizarre. It's just a, it's an odd fit. But when they have as much talent as they have on the offensive side of the ball, it'll probably work out and be okay. I think a, an honest debate you can have. You tell me if I'm crazy here, Gordy. Who's got the better defense this year, the Falcons or the Saints? Saints are going to have to show some signs of health first. I mean, they. they I know you. Um, you were just uh, looking at it a few minutes ago. Damian Swan apparently is on the pup list now. Mm-hmm. So all that depth we've been talking about in the secondary. Oh, okay. The secondary could get really good. Damian Swan starts on the pup list. Not good. Just it, we're never going to know how good these guys can be because they can never stay healthy. God forbid. You know, you add all the this linebacker depth. God forbid any of those guys go down, like AJ Klein or. Um, I mean, if any of these guys get injured or banged up, I don't want to say you're screwed, but we'll never know how good this defense could be because it just feels like there's somebody always out with an injury. It's unbelievable. The the matter, I mean, that's also the league. That's just you, know, you just go out there and run around, and what do you know? You hit somebody, boom, you're down for a while. Football, yeah. football, sports. Devon uh, Devonte Freeman was the name I couldn't come up with earlier. Had a you said Foreman. Yeah, yeah, Freeman and Coleman. Freeman and Coleman. Freeman Coleman. Freeman Coleman. Credit. Sounds like a law, law firm. Well, and then their um, their fullback is Derek Coleman. So they've got Tevin Coleman, Derek Coleman, and Freeman Devontae Coleman. Freeman. And Coleman. <laughs> uh, you getting a big truck wreck? Call Freeman Coleman and Coleman right now. I'll fight for you. Uh, it will be it will be interesting to see though if that offense can sustain. Uh, their success that they've had this year, running the ball key, or the last year. But they and they have those two that two headed monster to uh, keep the running game in check. Jake Matthews finally started to come on last year. He's, you know, it's close to putting the word bust on him. Um, I don't know about bust, but not hype level, not up to the to the level of hype that he got. Yeah, the receiving core obviously you have Julio Jones there. You brought in Mohamed Sanu, got Taylor Gabriel who had a nice year last year. Terry Douglas still around somewhere? Uh, he's. I know he's not. He may be. Yeah. Where Where did he sign? Uh, he last I saw him was with Tennessee. I always think whenever I think Falcons football, I think Roddy White and Harry Douglas. He's getting up there though. He's he's like got to be thirty four. I think. Is his brother Tony coming back to the Pelicans anytime soon? I think he did. I think he did resign with the uh, with the Titans. Did he? There's no way. Harry Douglas? Yes. No. Maybe just under a contract for more than one year. What's Tony? Who's Tony with now? Former Pelican great Tony Douglas. Oh, I don't know. I think he's out of the league. He Is might he? be playing overseas. Damn. I like Tony Douglas. He could shoot the three a little Falcons bit. Falcons brought in Andre Roberts, though. Did they really? Yeah. I didn't even know he was still a thing. He was okay. He had a little time there in, in uh, Arizona. Did he? Yeah. Did he? Remember, I guess it was probably about two years ago. It was... All those receivers in Arizona were going high in fantasy leagues because you didn't know who the hell Carson Palmer was going to throw it yeah, to. Yeah, I always loved the overdraft of Michael Floyd on Michael the Floyd, Andre Roberts, and Larry Fitzgerald were all like three of the top receivers in, in fantasy leagues a few years ago. Tony Douglas is a Memphis Grizzly. Oh, well, good for him. Grit and grind. Glad he's still hanging around. He is. He was a Pelican in 2015. I know. Yeah. That was his second stint with the team, right? 
Was it? No, it was just, no, he was just there for two straight Where's years. Where's Norris Cole now? No, I thought he went back to the Pelicans. No. And he went back to the Grizzlies. Norris Cole? Hell, I don't know. <laughs> That's Mario Chalmers. That's with the Chalmers, Grizzlies. yeah. Uh, Norris Cole was a Maverick, wasn't he? Or was he a... Uh, no. We'll look it up during the break. Oklahoma City Thunder, damn it! <laughs> Is he Norris yep. Cole? He's OKC. He had a nice little spark for uh, the Pels. Oh, no, he got an invite to uh, audition for a roster spot with, with the Hornets the other day. Charlotte? He was with, yeah, he was with the Thunder last season, at the end of last season. I still say Hornets from time to time. It's it's hard to adjust. It is hard to adjust. They should just go on baby cakes. Back to the Chris Gordy Show on Sports 1280, New Orleans. Welcome back into the Chris Gordy Show. Pleasure now to be joined by this guy. He is the best-selling author of six books, including Carlisle versus the Army, Storm and the Tide. He's a senior writer of Bleacher Report. Spent years over at Sports Illustrated. He's got a new book out that he wrote alongside uh, Bruce Arians called The Quarterback Whisperer. He is Lars Anderson. Joining us now here on Sports 1280. Lars, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, good to have you on. Of course, I, I've heard of your name. I've heard your name years and years and years. Read your stuff, uh, of course, over at uh, Sports Illustrated. I heard you for years on the Paul Feinbaum show. Of course, you've had uh, tons and tons of uh, great best-selling books, and now you got a new one uh, out with uh, Bruce Arians. Uh, I guess first question: uh, Where did this idea come from, and how did you partner up with uh, Bruce Arians on the Quarterback Whisperer? Yeah, this book was so much fun just because Bruce is unlike any coach in any sport I've ever spent time with. Uh, Bruce's agent contacted my literary agent. I'd never met Bruce before, and I was I was thrilled and honored and uh, went out to uh, the Phoenix to spend time with Bruce during training camp uh, two years ago and uh, just shadowing him and just to see if we'd be a good fit. And uh, the Cardinals hold training camp in their stadium, and they all stay. The team stays in a hotel right across the street. And about 9 o'clock every night, Bruce would retreat to his uh, his suite there on the top floor. And, and being the old bartender, he would uh, get behind the bar and start slinging drinks to his assistants and other coaches. And deep into the night, drinking, uh, drinking his crown, uh, the guys would just uh, tell stories. And uh, I just turned the tape recorder on, and I knew within really just like one day that this was going to be gold. And... Uh, Ended up spending like four days out there, and, and by the by the end of uh, end of my time, I was I was hurting pretty bad, and I'd see uh, the general manager Steve Kime, who's who's cut from the same cloth as Bruce, and uh, and they, those guys would be going at it late, 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 and you know Steve would be looking at me, he'd be like, "Hey, brother, you gonna be able to make it up <laughs> at the suite?" It'd be like a <laughs> test of my manhood. Uh, so I got out of there alive with my liver intact, and then Bruce and I just had a good time uh, uh, working together. Uh, you know, we would, we spent time in the off season. I would go out to Phoenix, uh, on Saturdays, usually before a game, he would have time. And, and it was a lot of fun just reviewing his career. This is a guy who got kicked out of high school, uh, and was given a, a second chance. And, and then, uh, you know, it was passed over repeatedly for head coaching jobs because he refused to kind of play the political game and didn't have an agent, didn't even have a resume, but yet he had all this success with all these different quarterbacks. And so we wanted to, sort of drill into how he was able to do that yeah we remember him in new orleans uh he was back in 1996 he was the tight ends coach with the saints but he's been around i mean uh years with the colts and, and peyton manning he's 
spent a couple years in Cleveland, of course, with the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, and then uh, most recently with the Arizona Cardinals and Carson Palmer and uh, the different guys he's had there. Um, what did you learn most about uh, him and, and quarterbacks in, in terms of what he's uh, what he was able to do to make those guys successful, from Peyton Manning to Ben Roethlisberger to Carson Palmer? I mean, what what is the one constant through all those guys? The one constant, and it sounds simple, is developing trust and, and relationship. Uh, an example is with Ben. Uh, ben uh, and Bruce didn't see eye-to-eye when Bruce was the wide receivers coach at Pittsburgh. And then Bruce becomes the offensive coordinator, so he's going to be working real close with Ben. And he knows that Ben doesn't really care for him, so Bruce knows that Ben likes to play golf. Bruce invites him down to Reynolds Plantation, Georgia, where Bruce lives in the off season. And the two spent like three or four days on the golf course, not even talking about football, just talking about life. And, and Bruce researched Ben's life and knew that he lost his mom at a young age and went through a lot of hard times growing up. And, and Bruce repeatedly told Ben, I'm not going to be your parent. I want to be the cool uncle that you want to have a beer with. And, and again, just sort, of, just sort of getting into the psychology of Ben. And Ben enjoyed it so much that he ended up buying a place on a Reynolds plantation. And, and the two are inseparable now in the off-seasons. But it was a, a trust that they developed. And you know what happened? Ben really started listening to Bruce. Ben, ben sort of, and a lot of these guys can be a little hard-headed because they're so talented. But Ben really started listening to Bruce, working on his mechanics, working on his footwork. And the next season, Ben proceeds to have the best year of his life. And he's like, you know, this guy's on to something here. And he, he, he's done that with all, of his, with all of his quarterbacks. You look at Carson Palmer. Carson's having the best, uh, well, at the end of last year, Carson was probably the hottest quarterback in the NFL. And, and the first year that Carson and Bruce were together, Carson had the best year of his career. It's a, it's a repeated pattern. And I know it sounds simple that it's relationships and trust, but, but Bruce wants to make sure that that quarterback feels like a part of his family. Talking with uh, Lars Anderson, the best-selling author. He's got the new book out uh, that he co-wrote with Bruce Arians, The Quarterback Whisperer, How to Build an Elite NFL Quarterback. It's out in book- bookstores now, and of course all the digital platforms that you can uh, uh, find it on, among other places. Uh, Lars, you've written a ton of books. I know one that you wrote uh, not too long ago, The Mannings, uh, The Fall and Rise of a Football Family. I-, I was having this discussion with a buddy the other night, and it was just kind of interesting, got me thinking. Uh, we're talking about Eli Manning, of course. Peyton hung it up, uh, you know, went out with the Super Bowl win a couple years ago. But Eli may only have a couple more years in the league. Is it weird to think when Eli hangs it up that we're just we're not going to have a Manning in the league anymore? It's, it's going to be weird, right? It, it, it is because they've just been such an institution of of NFL quarterbacks and elite NFL play, and and yeah, I mean that book. I, I love doing that book because I had just become a father myself as I was writing it. And my sort of goal was to understand how Archie and Olivia were able to do it. How were they able to raise two kids, not just to become elite NFL quarterbacks, first overall draft picks, but to, but to raise kids of character and substance. And that, to me, that's really sort of the cornerstone of that, of that book. It's almost like a, it's a good, I think, Father's Day book because uh, it's really about sort of what Archie was able to do in, in the raising of those kids. Did he, did he at least treat you to dinner at Manning's Restaurant? That's a whole nother story, but Archie, I'll, I'll put it this way. Archie, Archie was really good to me. <laughs> good stuff. Talk with uh, Lars Anderson. I want to hit on just a couple other sports topics, and we'll, we'll, get, we'll get back into the book in a little bit. Uh, the news with Hugh Freeze last week at Ole Miss, uh, obviously shocking to a lot, uh, to many across the country. Maybe not so much that they were going to move on for him, but the reason that they moved on for him. What did you, what did you make uh, of, of the whole fallout at Ole Miss and, and how things went down with Hugh Freeze? 
Yeah, I spent a lot of time with Hugh three years ago for a long story, and, and you know, Hugh uh, was he. I led my story with an anecdote that Hugh shared about just literally hours after getting married. Uh, he and his new bride snuck into Neyland Stadium in Knoxville, Tennessee, and even though Hugh was just an assistant high school coach at the time, he, he tells her in that empty stadium, you know, I'm going to be an SEC head coach. I will, I will, you watch. And, and through this sort of just force of his own personality and his own charms, he was able to do that. And part of those charms were the fact that he, he, he really wore his Christianity on his sleeve, and it was a big part of him. And, and the fact that, uh, that, you, that, that there's apparently you know, uh, some infidelity involved here is, is shocking to me. Uh, you know, and I had heard whispers that, that some stuff was going on with you, and, and I simply didn't have time to investigate it. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's to me it's a sad story uh, because I, I did, I, I like you very much. Um, you know, he's got three daughters, and, and it's going to be tough for him to rehabilitate his image. But, you know, it can be done. I mean, look at Steve Sarkeesian. He sort of was a, an assistant at Alabama, and now now he's doing good in the NFL. And, so it can be done. It is a forgiving, uh, forgiving uh, uh, football public. I think. That's what I was going to ask. I mean, obviously he's not going to do anything this this season. But where does he go from here? I mean, take this year off to kind of rebuild, uh, get things sorted in his personal life. Does he coach again? I, I, I do think he coaches again. I, I think uh, someone to watch is Gus Malzahn. If, if Auburn does well this year, and that's a huge if because Malzahn, Malzahn's job is a little tenuous. And it's really tied to one kid, Jared Stidham, the quarterback at Auburn. If, if Stidham is as good as everybody says, Auburn can contend for the SEC title and therefore the national title. If they're in good, if, if Gus Malzahn is in good standing at Auburn next year, I wouldn't be surprised if he brings on Hugh, gives Hugh a, throws Hugh a lifeline, and brings them on as some sort of, you know, uh, some sort of a, a, a nominal assistant job. Because Gus and Hugh are best buddies, and they, they've known each other forever. They have similar backgrounds, high school guys. They spent the vacation together. So if there's one landing spot for Hugh next year, I think it could be Auburn. Talking with uh, Lars Anderson, the uh, best-selling author. He's got the new book out with Bruce Arians called The Quarterback Whisperer. Just a couple other uh, uh, random sports topics I'm going to throw at you. Uh, here in Louisiana, we're, we're interested in um, Ed Ogeron and what he's going to do at LSU. Uh, do you like the hire of Ed Ogeron? Obviously, he's, a, he's an incredible recruiter. He's going to be kind of like the figurehead with Matt Canada and Dave Aranda running the offense and the defense. Uh, how good can LSU be under Ed Ogeron? I do like Ed Ogeron just because there's so much talent within you know 200 miles of the campus, and if he can lock that down, uh, it, there's no telling how good how good LSU can be. LSU's always you know, I live in Alabama, and, 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 and year in and year out, the one team that Alabama fears most is LSU just because they have it's an NFL factory, just like, uh, just like in Tuscaloosa. And so I, I do like the hire. Uh, you know, I think, I think it's sort of a, a great fit for, for coach in place, and, uh, and I, I expect Ozron really to turn that around. But I also like Les Miles a lot. Um, I, I thought Les was great. I know he kind of wore out his welcome there, but – um, and I would like to see Les get back into coaching, although it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Yeah, I was going to ask. I mean, there were those rumblings this past week of Les having interest in Ole Miss. Do you think that's an option? I don't. I, I think Ole Miss has moved on from that thought. Um, yeah, I, 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 I fear that, that, that Les may, may be on the sidelines for the rest of his career. Yeah, I think I think we agree with you there. He is uh, Lars Anderson, the best-selling author of the new book out, Quarterback Whisperer, How to Build an NFL Quarterback. Uh, it's in all bookstores right now, right? It's everywhere, you bet. Absolutely. Well, Lars, thanks so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. 
All right, thank you guys so much. Oh, okay, bud. Uh, the quarterback whisper, co-authored with uh, Bruce Arians, Lars Anderson, good stuff. Uh, t- Bruce Arians sharing his stories, strategies with the the elite quarterbacks, including the many trains such as Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Andrew Luck, and the resurgent Carson Palmer. Really good stuff there from uh, from Bruce, or rather from Lars. I've got the book. I just need to. Uh, Sit down and read. I've got a stack of books right now that I'm just trying to catch up on. But I've been reading all these, uh, all the college football preview magazines and all that. I, this is the time of year where I start delving into that because I literally go through every team and I, I want to study their depth chart. I want to know players' names, who to watch for, and all that. So I'm a, uh, I'm a little bit of a football nerd in that sense. But um, yeah, no, th- this is a, this is a fun time of year because we're just a couple weeks from the start of football season and uh, good stuff there with Lars. I know I threw a bunch of different topics at him, but. Great to get his perspective on a lot of different things from the uh, best-selling author, Lars Anderson. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk a little SEC, a little LSU football, and Ed Ogeron with Nick Suss of SEC County right after this. This is the Chris Gordy Show on Sports 1280, New Orleans.